Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hello, and welcome to the Publicly Challenged Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Oswald, and I hope you join me on my quest for knowledge to become a better public land hunter, angler, and forager. Stick with this and who knows, maybe we will learn something together. Okay, so I'm sitting here and I'm uh, talking to Josh Prophet, and we're going to talk all kinds of things about hunting public land, putting some miles on. So, Josh, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, my name's Josh Prophet, um, 35 years old. Uh, Currently and always have lived in Western Kentucky, um, four kids. I've been bow hunting roughly, uh, 20 years. So hunting public land, it's my 14th or 15th season. I think it's my 14th. So, um, definitely been putting some miles on the public land and, um, I'm ready to get turkey season started here. So I saw the other day you actually got to go and you were hunting kind of see a little bit you want to kind of tell us how that went yeah well first off for those who's listening we you know such a weird time right now with uh with the rona going on so my family you know freaked out about me going because tennessee was their their case numbers are so high so um it was kind of an issue of me getting out of the house but i figured it out if i filled up right before i left i would only have to fill up one time down there to make it back it was uh it was under a three-hour drive for me but man i like i was telling you earlier man it kicked my butt man (laughs) it was um there were a lot of people hunting which is good that there were people in the outdoors but there was so many people hunting that in the first time in my life i felt like it it needed to be uh regulated (laughs) Uh, don't say that please (laughs) no it was um there were nine vehicles on the road that I was hunting and the road probably was 
a quarter mile long. No kidding. And every parking lot there had three to six vehicles in it. I just had never seen anything like it in my life. And um, I ended up killing a turkey the second day. But after I killed that turkey, I realized the chances of me killing a turkey were, I mean, so slim. So I think I made it a four-day hunt. I did I did kill one, and I came home. Um, met some good people. Uh, and But it was definitely an experience. You... Uh... You find some morels out there too? Oh yeah, I did. I found about 200, 150 or 200. I didn't count. Um, it's weird you say that. I actually had to mark them because I couldn't fit them all in my backpack. <laughs> and I had to go drop them off at my campsite and come back two times. So, um, yeah, needless to say, I I did. I fried all those up in one night. Everybody in camp. There were some guys from Nashville and some guys from North Carolina. Between all of us, we ate every one of them. But yeah, it was uh, it was delicious. <laughs> yeah, man, that's the one thing I think I'm gonna miss if I don't get to get out on my public lands. Is uh, I got some great public spots for morels, and that's kind of. I figure by next week, if it's still warm, they should be really, really popping up here. That's one thing I'm going to miss. You ever go hunting them at home? Yeah, I do. I got a, I found some here um, one day this week. We found, I don't know, 50 or so, me and my mom and my daughter did. And it was a mix between grays and yellows. Um, uh, there were, I did leave a couple small ones, so I think that I will be able to go back to that spot and find several more, but yeah, I got a few spots that I've always, I've always hunted that I normally, you know, I, I normally do pretty good every year. Do you, uh, how many turkey tags do you get when you hunt in Tennessee? Four. Four, four turkey tags? Yeah, and I feel like it should be two, one or two, but yeah, you get four. Man, you ever get four? man i don't uh turkey hunting is just uh just something to help me hurry up and get (laughs) get deer season (laughs) i mean i love to turkey hunt i let all of my frustration out um turkey hunting you know i get to run around uh, i use a shotgun instead of a bow um but it's just you know the whole time i'm turkey hunting i'm looking for sheds or looking at deer sign or thinking about getting my trail cameras up and going so absolutely it, i mean i get it's, it it's <laughs> why not right i mean you're you're maximizing your time doing that i like you said we talked a little bit earlier and you got you got four kids man i got three and i know it's hard to get out without mama getting mad at me so i get four it. days a month tops <laughs> so on them four days a month how much how much time are you getting in in them woods then I mean, how many miles are you getting? A lot, man. I um, when I was in Tennessee, I walked more than I ever have, and it was twenty-one or twenty-two miles in one day. Um, but typically, uh, I always know when I when I start to do it pretty good because my feet start hurting, and my my feet don't hurt till around ten miles. And normally, every weekend, if I'm running cameras. It's between uh, 
It's between 10 and 15 miles every, every time I go. That's pretty good. So it's, uh, definitely a good, you know, a good quality pair of boots is a must for me. Yeah. So you're doing a lot of scouting for deer when you're out springtime. I've seen you do some late season fall scouting too, you know, getting right before the season. What, uh, you typically run a lot of cameras or you just, uh, checking areas out, marking them. How, how do you go about it? Yeah. And I've, if you know anything about me, I've always ran, I'm kind of known for running a bunch of cameras on public land. And typically I run between 50 and 70 every year. 50. That's a lot of camera. Yes, it is. I always tell people when they say that, I say, that's a lot of work. That's what that is. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of work, but um, it has always paid off for me, man. I get a lot of, a lot of questions over that. And, um, but it's just this, my method I use is just, has always paid off scouting more than hunting, running a bunch of cameras, not necessarily depending on them but using them as you know a quality tool yeah um, and last year was the first year i hadn't killed in four or five years um so i've been i've been pretty effective i saw you and the drifter hooked up and uh started doing a little bit of hunting together he was filming for you is that what happened yes yeah so um Connor come down and did a turkey hunt with me a, a year or two ago. Uh, and he decided to uh, come down. He wasn't hunting just to strictly film me for uh, four or five days uh, last November. Um, so it was kind of really the only second time that him and I had hung out. And, um, yeah, he's, he's a hard guy to wear out. Um, <laughs> it was a weird year for me last year. I lost majority of my deer if not i'm gonna say almost all of them to ehd so um i kind of had all of my uh, eggs in one basket on one wma so i was literally just scrambling to try to find new property and, and new deer in season and um it kicked my tail man I, I i i couldn't couldn't pull it together last year man that happens that happens yeah yeah so uh when you're hanging your cameras, you ever get, I mean, I had, I only tried it once, had it stolen, haven't ran any cameras since. That ever a problem for you? Man, you name it, it's happened to me. <laughs> um, the worst we ever had it happen between me and a friend, I think we lost 16 in one year. Oh. And the guy wasn't stealing them, he was smashing them. Uh, all of our cameras are the doors are locked and they're locked to the tree so this guy was physically smashing them taking the sd card out and dropping the batteries and just leaving it so when we got you know to the tree to check the camera it was just destroyed um tried hanging one high on a field edge it didn't work i, I guess he took a climber and got it um so uh, you, yeah you've uh you name it it's happened but it's it's honestly not as bad as what you think uh this year i didn't get any cameras so typically between the hundred cameras that me and my buddies run i lose about one or two 
out of my 50 to 70. So it's not near what you think. I mean, I, I lost that many when I hunted private ground. Really? Yeah. Is there a lot of trespass then down there? Um, man, not so much. I don't think. I never really had a lot of problem with that. You know, it, most of my properties that I had to hunt that were private, you know, there were several other people that had it. And I don't know why I would, you know, make somebody think that when they see another person's camera or deer stand, they got to take it. But it, um, it's kind of sad, but it happens a lot, man. It yeah. happens a lot. Yeah. I found one the other day that sitting on the ground thought about carrying it out if it's still there i think what it was is it was a like they did a a burn it was old tree stand so i'm thinking it was just somebody put it up and left it but even then i wasn't wanting to wanting to take it just yet you know i'd take it and recycle it or something because it was big old heavy steel steel stand that was all burned up i'm thinking that's why they left it i don't know huh never seen nothing like that but i like to try and get all that trash out of there you know keep them oh, clean. Yeah. yeah yeah you uh if you see it you gotta pick it up or if you pack it in you need to take it out that's right so uh you shoot the trad bow how'd you get started on that was it something you just picked up and stuck with or what man i, I just i really wanted to challenge myself it got to it got to a point when i was hunting a public land that there was like a huge bell curve in my hunting style like from going to actually um hunting places that i just felt good about to actually finding areas that the deer were in um so there was a big bell curve in me uh finding these deer and killing these deer but when i started killing these deer um i started you know i started killing them every year and uh, to be honest with you know a lot of people want to age these deer and they want to criticize over stuff but they really have no clue how old you know some of these deer are uh, one of the deer that i killed i could i would have swore to you it was three years old it was eight yeah. um yeah another deer i killed i thought it was at least four it was three and a half that's just you know going off off the teeth off the dental yeah yeah so it's so there was a curve there was a time where i i made a decision you know i I got to the point where i wanted to make it a little harder on myself and i thought well i either need to be shooting bigger deer uh not necessarily older or you know i want to shoot bigger deer because i was struggling with trying to figure out how old they actually were i mean i knew that they were all at least three and a three and a half or i wanted to make it harder on myself so um i figured you know picking up trying traditional would definitely make it harder on myself but i figured um because most of my shots anyways were super close you know 20 yards or closer was i was that's where i were killing these deer ass like if i get if i get good with you know one of these bows and like it's it's achievable it's doable and it's um to me it's it's an honorable thing to do you know it's um you're giving that animal one more chance you know you're giving him a better chance to live you're not necessarily you know taking all everything away from the animal so i started start shooting a trad bow i bought a i bought a hoyt buffalo i shot it uh all summer 
I think, I can't remember, 2017, I think. I actually tagged out with that deer. I uh, killed a 134-inch, uh, eight-year-old deer on public land. Then uh, uh, I shot a doe. And, man, after that, I was just, it pretty much hooked me in. Yeah. Um, had a couple custom bows made from uh, Bob at uh, Big Stick Archery in Iowa. And uh, two seasons ago, I shot just this nasty buck, and I actually shot him on the ground, um, 141-inch deer. Kind of a weird story on that, but um, yeah. So last year, I didn't kill anything, and that's what it's, you know, it's just, it's been a, cha- a personal challenge for myself. Yeah, I uh, never really, I mean, I picked up recurve and, I never could quite get the hang of it. I didn't group good. I don't know if it was my form or what I was doing. So I ended up going to the longbow for a couple of years and I had fun with it. But as time went on, I just did not have time to shoot that thing enough to feel confident anymore. And that's kind of what, uh, what ended up making me switch back to the, the compound bow. But what made you choose the recurve over, you know, a longbow or something traditional wise? Well, I'd, I'd shot Hoyt pretty much all of my life. And I have a buddy down south, uh, Harmon Carson, and he shot a Hoyt buffalo. And he was just telling me, like, hey, man, like this, you know, like it's a great bow. Um, so, I, I, you know, I bought the, um, I bought that three-piece uh, Hoyt, Hoyt buffalo. Um, and I just, I, man, it, it was such a rabbit hole. I had a hard, the hardest time tuning my arrows and I ended up getting it good enough to where I could hunt with it. But um, towards the end of the season, I, I was still fighting that thing, man. If I, I just never could shoot it good. The bow wasn't very forgiving. So um, I just went, I met in the middle and I got that hybrid longbow. And man, it is. There's no comparison between the long, the longbow and and the recurve for me personally. Um, that that longbow is just so much more forgiving. Um, it points so much better. Um, so I think I that's for now. For the next several years, that's what I'm gonna be shooting is something like I have now. Yeah, that's the same same thing that I had with it, and I don't know if it was like limb. Tw- like the tips were twisting or something because you got some more mass on the limbs when it's the the longbow versus the reek. I don't, not really sure what it was, but that's what kind of made me gravitate towards that longbow. I ended up picking up a a Martin Savannah. My buddy had one. I shot it. His was a little too heavy. I think his was like a seventy pound or something. But so I ended up ordering like a fifty five or a sixty, and that thing is awesome. Yeah. yeah. 60 60s a lot man i my wood bow is 48 at 28 and my carbon bow is 61 at 28 and that carbon bow i mean it'll it will blister an arrow but i can't it's it's um i can't shoot it very much i shoot it well but man holding that 61 pounds is it's a lot and and an eighth inch in whatever direction you move that string is that's huge and it's in a traditional bow on where you're going to hit at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't play with it too much anymore, but so what do you do for arrows and what kind of, what's your setup? 
Um, my wood bow, I'm shooting. Um, I forgot what they are. Are they carbon? Or are you shooting yeah, like four yeah, foot cedar? No, I'm shooting. I'm shooting carbon. I. It's hard enough for me to tune them bows right and to get them get my arrows hitting where I'm looking. So I didn't want to go down that road of uh, that rabbit hole of the wood arrows. Um, I thought I'm shooting go tips out of uh, out of my wood bow, and I'm shooting a, a micro eastern arrow out of my carbon bow, um, with iron wheels up front. Uh, just four inch feathers in the back. I think it's a it's a 620 grain arrow. <laughs> yeah. First first turkey I ever shot with my longbow. <laughs> I was using uh, some of them Wenzel Woodsman's. Oh yeah, with some hand cut fletching that I did, and uh, a Port Orford shaft, and <laughs> it, that was pretty cool. That, and that was it was a a fall tag. I've I've never never got to hunt turkey in the spring on public land or anything with the with the bow. I was hoping this year, but that's a different story. But I got the scar on my leg to prove it that I got that turkey. <laughs> oh, Shoot. did he get you? He didn't get me. He spurred at me, and when I picked up my arrow, that's how sharp them woodsmen's are. I jumped back, and it raked across my leg, right on my knee. And and I at first I didn't feel nothing, and I grabbed grabbed the turkey and finished him off real quick. And I'm walking, and all of a sudden I feel just something real warm running down my leg and i was like oh no <laughs> so i ended up having to go get some stitches on that one it, oh, nice yeah it, nice it's got a scar there to prove it <laughs> but mm. i do like them i just switched over to a a solid broadhead like that on my new setup with my compound and i was shooting them uh day sixes but those are pretty similar to them iron wheels i definitely mm-hmm. like it yeah you um i mean if you're shooting a compound and and you, you know you get you get so much more kinetic energy out of a compound but those the downfall of shooting a mechanical is man they just they eat up that mechan that uh, kinetic energy like it's going out of style so I mean, there's no doubt, there's no arguing about it. With a fixed blade, hands down, you just get better penetration. Oh yeah, I I after seeing in the deer I shot last year with that that broadhead, I shot it, and I for some reason I took my quiver off, and I'd been shooting with my quiver on the whole time, and that day it was just like a mind blank, and I took it off for some reason, and I hung it on the hook in the tree and she came walking out and I shot her and as soon as I shot her I was like oh what did I do I knew what I did and it hit about two inches to the left and I ended up hitting that shoulder blade and with the setup I got it blew through that shoulder blade and took out both lungs clipped the back corner one and then ended up coming out real far back and took out a piece of a rib too and i couldn't believe it that broadhead was still sharp when i was done with it there you go it was pretty amazing yeah nice yeah 
So you use outserts and all that stuff on your broadheads then? Get some extra yeah, front center? Yeah, so, man, that, those arrows I got this year, it's, um, it's a, I shoot 150 grain iron wheel. I shoot a 75 grain titanium half in, half outsert um, from Easton, and then I shoot the iron wheel collars. Um, I forgot what that always up to be up front, but it's a lot. And I, man, I only do that because, you know, the trad guys, it's, it's, it's not common for me just to go out and shoot in the woods or shoot at a piece of wood or shoot at a stump. So I just, I didn't want to break my arrows. Um, every, every time I'm in the deer stand, I take a confidence shot. Uh, one of my four arrows has a field point on it. I always pick something and uh, shoot at it right before I get down just to kind of keep my confidence built up throughout the season. Um, so I wanted to be sure I wasn't breaking any arrows. <laughs> that's a good plan. Yeah. That's the, that was the thing with the wood arrows. My buddy took quite a few with his longbow and he was always, I mean, you shoot a deer, you know, that arrow's done, you know, with an Orford shaft, that cedar just don't hold up, but it flew pretty good, you know? And right. so you use that. So let's get back to kind of i kind of got rabbit holed there a little bit talking about the trad oh, okay. stuff it interests me but so when you're hanging trail cams and stuff like that i mean what, what are you looking for what do you when you're cutting the miles you cutting tracks or what what are you doing man typically i mean if i was to hunt a new piece of property obviously i'm going to start at on you know on axe or some sort of you know aerial form and i'm going to try to you know find all the food sources because those are typically the easiest things to find um, where I hunt anyways. Everything I hunt has ag on it. And then I'm, I'm physically going to walk to the food and uh, pick out the better food sources and work my way backwards towards the bedding. Um, just hang, hang cameras everywhere in between uh, on the food, travel routes to and from bed. And, uh, you know, that's where I'll start. And then the good thing about it is the whole time, you know, you're running these cameras, what a lot, a lot of people don't realize is like it's it's a one big scouting mission. So I always got a couple extra cameras with me. So I may be trying to, you know, get to another spot uh, that I want to see. And I, I stumble across something that I never even knew was there unless I was out just walking. And then so, you know, you try to break that down and figure out why there's so much deer sign there, why the deer's using it, and um and put a camera on it. Yeah. So uh when you're doing that then, uh how often do you check them? You you just leaving them soaked, set, or you checking oh, man, them they, monthly or what? Them things fake. Um a lot of them set. I don't check any of them probably more than three times a season. Uh, some of them, if I can, some of them, if I was to want to, I could check them every two weeks because that's when I'm out there. But you you take 50 cameras and you spread them across 6,000 acres. I mean, typically they're not too clean. I may have several, you know, four or five cameras on 500 acres. So they're all spread out, you know, pretty far apart. Yeah. And it just takes, it takes a lot of time. Um, 
So typically my cameras bake most of the season. Some of them uh, only get checked once a season. And, but I'm, I'm pretty big on, on running on past history. You know, if you can find a really good spot or an area that a deer really likes to use, you know, I've, it's, it's happened to me years at year upon year that, you know, that, that deer's back there the next year in the same area. So, you know, one thing that people don't realize is a trail camera, a, a picture of a, a deer, it's already past tense. So let's just say you check your camera every week, like it already happened. It's already in the past. So it just all depends on how you want to look at things. Yeah. So, um, you running on them cameras. I mean, the batteries don't last all that long. It seems once it starts getting cold out, what are you doing to keep all them running that long? Or are you just letting them, when they go out, they go out and you just get the history from them? So typically I run alkalines up through September. And then if I, if I start putting cameras out in October, they're getting, they're getting lithiums. Or if I'm checking cameras or I'm making it to a camera and it's September, October, I'll put, I'll put lithiums in in them just because man, those alkalines, they, they just, they don't last man. And I forgot, I think an, an alkaline is like one point five amps i forgot what it is but as soon as you turn the camera on you got an instant voltage drop so your camera it's not going to perform a lot of people don't realize this but when them cameras without with alkalines in them when they get like 50 percent battery life like it's really time to change the batteries because the camera just isn't performing like it should be your detection zones shrinking your flash is not going to be what it normally is uh your trigger speed's going to be slower just because the the voltage is is not there to run the camera. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have like a preference of what camera you use or does it just uh, kind of mixed bag? Man, I solely use Exodus cameras and that's um for a couple of reasons. Number 1, they have a 5-year warranty. And number 2 is they have a theft and damage uh policy. Um, I have become really good friends with the owners as the company. And, um, even before we were friends, man, they took, uh, such good care of me. I mean, I think when I purchased somewhere around my 15th camera, I got a, I got a handwritten letter from them, which is something you don't get from Browning or Stealth Cam or anybody. (laughs) Right, right. Um, so, and I've just, I've had really good luck with their cameras, man. Their, their budget camera, that Trek, that $145 camera, I cannot stress how badass that camera is. Yeah. I mean, that, that matte brown finish blends in on almost every tree and even running alkaline batteries, if you wanted to, depends on your setup. Like you can almost get a full season out of them um there's just they're solid cameras and that's um that's always been a big issue of, of mine you know if you run a if you run a lot of cameras you uh you figure out the good and the bad ones and um throughout the years i've kind of figured out you know some of the better ones to use and um 
Exodus is definitely, you know, it really is top shelf. Man, it think, really is. <laughs> I think my wife would murder me if I ran 50, 50 trail <laughs> cameras like that, plus batteries for them. Right. right. <laughs> yeah, I'd say that could cause some issues, so. Uh, <laughs> I get yelled at if I buy one or two at a time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you got to be careful there. Yeah. It's um, it's an expensive hobby. It's an expensive way of life if you, if you want to do it. But you know, I like running my trail cameras. It's, it's just part of my hunting style. So, that's um, that's how I'm going to do it. So when you do your uh, trail cameras and you do your say early season scouting, you're doing turkey. You're hanging cameras too, or how, is that how you're kind of going about it? <sighs> Man, typically it's June when I put my first camera out. Um, but, you know, like I, when I'm turkey hunting, if I find something that I didn't know was there or something that really interests me, like I'll I'll drop a pin on it and I'll leave a note in a couple months for sure. Yeah. Or depending on the setup, you know, it may be closer to fall, but I will be back. If, if I drop the pin on it, I guarantee you I'll be back to check it out. So, say early season, I mean, you get one of them guys that gets out in, like, February, March and looking for, like, late winter sign that kind of tells you what the heck's going on, hopefully early and late in the season, too? Yeah, so I do. Uh, I, I shed hunt. Now, I, between my family, I have to... um I have to be careful, you know, so I have to, I have to pick and choose, you know, when I want to be out in the woods the most. And obviously I'm, I hunt like a coyote, you know, I hunt, I'm out, I hunt for opportunity. So my primary month is November. Um, but I just, I have to be really careful on where I spend my time. So I'll spend most of my time around late October and November. So I kind of slow down before and after that. And it's, it's strictly because of my family, my kids, I got kids from the age of one's fixing to turn 14 to four. So um, nothing's more important than me being at home with them. Yeah. That's a full plate, man. I can, yes. You can attest to that more than I even can. And I can tell you right now, that's, that's a full plate. I'm just yep. looking forward to when my kids get a little bit older, they can start doing more with me. They're pretty young. It, it does. Um, It makes it easier for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell already the, the middle <laughs> one. She's the one that always following me around out. And even when we're out in the yard, I'll tell her, all right, it's time to go in for supper. And she's like, uh-uh, no, let's do this. Or wait, we got to check on the chickens first. Or just any excuse to stay out there with me, you know. So I think she's right. going to be be the one that wants to go with me the most. Hopefully, anyway. But <laughs> Well, yeah, I I understand that, too. Yeah. So, um, you, uh, you do much scouting then like when you're shed hunting and just mark them spots and that's a good spot you want to put the camera. Is that kind of where, where that leads into or. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times, you know, checking those cameras throughout, you know, a couple of times throughout the season, I already have a good idea where to go. Um, typically because 
you know, the later in, in the season gets, I'll have several cameras back on a piece of property. So, um, I'll know like, well, Hey, you know, this buck's staying primarily on this two or 300 acres. Um, I, I already know that before it's even time, it's even time to look for them sheds. And then, so I'll go back and as I'm checking those cameras late season or pulling them, um, you know, I'm shed hunting, I'm looking for new sign and I don't find, I don't find a lot of sheds and it's, it's because I just cannot get out there and, and shed hunting is not what it was 10 years ago. Um, it's big now. Yeah. Um, you used to be able to go out and have the woods to yourself and man, it's a scramble now. Um, there's, I, I run into people every year that don't even hunt the shed hunt now. Hmm. That's interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. So be, only being able to go a couple of times a month, man, it's, it's tough. I do it, but it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what's your plans then for, for this year coming up? I put all my eggs in one basket. So there's <laughs> a piece of, there's a piece of property, um, close to the town I live in. It's, it's closer than any piece I have. Um, and it's interesting in the fact that it's semi-public, but kind of private. Um, so you have to buy a permit to hunt it and the, the number of permits is limited, but it's outside of buying that permit, it's open to statewide regulations. So you can bait there. Um, you can do whatever you want. Right. Um, so I think I'm going to look really heavy into that. It's going to be a learning curve for me. Um, cause it's not, it's more like that property that you and I were talking about. It's four or 500 acres here, two or 300 acres here, a thousand here. Right. It's not one big, it's not one big chunk like I prefer, but I'd say that I'm going to sink a lot of my time and a lot of my cameras in there. Not all of them, but a lot of them. <laughs> um, it's a lot of flatland. I hate hunting flatland, but I think the opportunity for, for quality deer and low hunting pressure, I think it's going to be a really good option for me. And it is so close to home. So, and I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm really excited about running some mineral sites. I'm really excited about trying to run some mineral sites to get, to get some uh, good pictures of some bucks. That's yeah. That's something we're not allowed to do. Yeah. Same same here. What do you mean? Oh, you, I mean, I can't on my, on our public land. Like we can't, we can't do anything like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? On our private though, even on our private land, you're not supposed to around here. It's pretty much baiting is baiting and it's illegal. Now you can't run, you know, food plots or something, but as far as minerals and stuff, that's a no, no. We haven't been able to do that for a long, and just about as long as I can remember hunting for some reason, or it used to be maybe you could put it out, but it had to be removed X amount of days before hunt season, but that's all changed now. That's, you you can't even have it at all. Mm. Yeah. So that's, that's interesting though, cause you got the, it's private public. <laughs> Yeah, that's I mean cool. you're right. You're yeah, that's exactly what it is. And um I'm still gonna run cameras 
and scout this my my go-to wma but that we just lost so many deer there last year and judging by the the cameras i did run there i didn't run near as many but i ran them in my best spots and the deer just they're dead they're not they're not there so it's going to take some time for them to rebound back but i'm definitely not giving up on it do you think uh even though that ehd it'll come through and do that is it one of them things where you know they die off but then there's more resources and nutrition for more deer and they come back healthier or or is it just kind of they just need three four years before they reestablish themselves i want to say it's going to take three or four years yeah um between it being public and you know the hunting pressure that it gets versus you know private ground uh the ge- genetics are definitely there the the food and nutrition's there um but i just think it's going to it's going to take some time. I, I'm thinking at least three years before I start getting pictures like I, I have had. Yeah, that kind of sucks. I mean, but it's, the deer, it's... I mean, you know, it takes three things to grow a big deer, age, genetic, and nutrition. And age is the hardest thing for them to get sometimes on the public around where I hunt just because a lot of people shoot a two- or a three-year-old. You know, you're talking some of these three-year-olds that we got or or owners are yeah. right at it you know that that's something i wouldn't pass you know if a 140 inch three-year-old comes past me i'm not gonna lie i'm gonna i'm gonna kill him every time um so i don't know how long it'll take for me to start getting those really big deer like i have got in the past the 170s and the 180s but i'd say it's gonna take some time that's like when you say that about the, the two-year-old three-year-old thing I remember back in the day I worked at the bait shop in town and you had to actually physically check your deer in. There wasn't no telecheck in or even on the internet or do it on your cell phone. Now you had to actually bring your deer into a check station, check it in. And, uh, them guys used to bring deer in all the time and they'd be like, Oh yeah, it's a four year old deer, you know, this and that. And you lift up and I, we had the little, it was like a giant key ring with all the different jaws with the with the teeth on it. We'd have to age them and get an estimate of the age and then take a couple measurements. But And you'd be surprised how many of them deer, you know, would actually be only a two-year-old or they still had their their adult molars just came in, you know. <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny that, you know, these guys are thinking they were bigger or older than they were and they weren't. And it just makes you think sometimes that you really misjudge things or you look at something and say, oh, yeah, like you were talking earlier, it's a two-and-a-half or three-and-a-half-year-old deer and it turns out it's eight years old or whatever. That's crazy. You don't. It's field aging is tough, man. I'm not saying that you can't do it, but in a sense, it's kind of like trying to field age a cow. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm not saying – I do it. You know, I think like, well, he's three or he's four. I still try, but, man – I mean, a lot of times you're you're just wrong. If you don't know the deer, it's tough. Right. It's yeah. tough. And I always, I know we're kind of talking about this, but I always think about this deer I had on camera one time. The first year I got him was in 2016. We called him 360. And to me, he looked like a four-year-old. Um, three years later, when we were still getting him, everybody's like, oh, man, that's, He's three or four. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, he looked almost the same. Yeah. But it had been three years worth of pictures, and he looked, you know, four years old when I got pictures of him. So, I mean. You ever end up getting them? No, I never ended up even seeing him. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Never ended up even seeing him. So, just one of those things, man. That's, uh, That's why we do it. Absolutely. Well, I'm kind of out of questions here, and uh, I don't know if you got anything you want to ask me or anything. I don't really have any plans yet other than whitetail hunting. Hopefully. We'll see. Hopefully all this stuff goes away, man. Yeah, we'll just get through this weird pandemic we're in right now, and um, yeah, I'm just going to say, man, just everybody be sure that they put their uh, – they they put their families first and they got their priorities right. That's one thing that I've, I've seen to mess up a lot, man, and nothing should be more important than, uh, than your family. Absolutely. So definitely, definitely not hunting. Oh, hunting, hunting is a close second. Let's put it. In <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I appreciate you coming on. You want to tell people where they can find you? Man, the only place you can find me at is uh, Instagram. It's the only piece of social media I have. You can follow me there at BG underscore Bowhunter. That's me, Josh Prophet. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming on and talking to me. Yes, sir, man. Thanks for uh, having me. All right. Take care. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the Publicly Challenged podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show, and if you did, please subscribe on whatever platform it is you're listening to. Also, if you could leave a review, that would help us out. And you can check us out on Instagram or at publiclychallenged.com. And once again, thank you so much for listening to the show. life that has the stories to back it a life to be proud of it's a winchester life yeah baby six eight western oh, i'll be over there baby right there tune in every tuesday at 7 p.m eastern on waypoint tv oh my god <laughs> every once in a while it's fun to go with like just full-blown redneck on these fish This is like high-tech cane pole fishing right here. From the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters, enjoy the best fishing Panama City Beach has to offer during Chase in the Sun, Sundays at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.